So we have a list of 10 communication skills that are essential, nay, crucial for PTAs. You know what's funny? This is the first list we've done that I actually think agree with every single one of them. If you think no, about all, it, you I agree with all my lists. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so let's find out the list that Laura completely agrees with. It's a shocker, guys. I know. Let's get, get in. into it. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken. And Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. So a few weeks ago, we released an episode named the number one skill for PTAs. Was it a few weeks ago? I feel like it feels a few weeks ago, but it's like, I don't know, like a month or two ago. It probably was a long time ago. But definitely before that, we, we talked to the PTAs at my clinic, or the PTAs, the PTs, and see what they look for in a PTA. Yeah. And a lot of it just kind of came down to the communication a PTA has just to be able to hold a conversation and just be able to relate to just about anything. So they'll ask just random questions. And if you want to listen to that episode, I'll leave a link down in the description just for you to go listen to that. But today we're going to be talking about communication skills and how it pertains to PTAs, why it's important, as well as tips for PTAs to help improve those skills. Mm -hmm. You ready? Yeah, because I will say, like, this is important. Communication is huge. You're communicating between different therapists. You're communicating between patients, even family members. So, like, if you can't communicate effectively, then you're going to struggle. However, like Ken said, there are these tools that can definitely help. So, let's get into those tools what you got for us first so number one is active listening so this is just encouraging listening between everybody that works there as well as your patients and i feel like this is super important when it comes to this field just thinking about today alone when i was working with some patients and just trying mm -hmm. to get a feel for where they're at as far as how therapy is going how their previous mm -hmm. visit went when I'm doing their manual therapy, talking to them, knowing where their pain threshold is, and just keeping that line of active communication between us and the patient. And this, I feel, also applies to working with your coworkers as well. So active listening between you and your, your coworkers or your PTAs or your PTs and just kind of making sure everybody's on the same page. I feel all of that is extremely important. Yeah. And I think the thing, too, with the active listening is, like, it's easy to fall into the habit of, like, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, yeah, I see the whole, like, I'm listening, but I'm not actually taking in what you're saying. And patients can tell because they'll either ask a question, literally bringing up one of my favorite stories. Ken, you'll know this one. We had a tech one time, and he was cleaning up the gym, and patient came in and he was like oh how's your how's your day how are you doing and she goes oh I'm doing really bad I don't feel good at all today and my pain's really high and he goes oh okay good oh 
way not good because he was in such autopilot he wasn't really truly listening to what she was saying she he was just kind of like listening to what he expected to say and so his response did not match originally what the patient had told him so again he it's not that he was trying to ignore her but he wasn't truly actively in the moment listening and so that's really key because patients can tell when you're just kind of letting it go in one year doing the uh-huh uh-huh and out versus being engaged really discussing what they're telling you about and it can be actually relating to pt with active listening or it can be just straight up like having a normal conversation with them they want to feel engaged and so actively and i feel like that goes a long way to as far as treatments as well so like the more Mm -hmm. you're actively listening to what's going on in their lives and their pains and discomforts and what's causing them trouble goes a long way when it comes to tailoring your treatment towards their problems exactly so that's active listening for you the next one we have is clear and concise messaging So when this comes to this, it's just kind of just making sure you get your point across and don't beat around the bush and using fancy wording that gives you an easy out. (laughs) I feel like this is important, not just to your patients, especially if we can get lost in our medical and clinical terms, as well as for the caregivers and family members. Mm -hmm. So we have one patient now where... They come in in a wheelchair and they're not fully like their cognition isn't what it used to be. So a lot of our communication not only goes through him, but also goes through their caregiver and what we expect him to do at home and kind of his daily routine there. We have to communicate what we want to them and making sure it's simple enough, understandable and make sure that they know what we're trying to do. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that's where I agree. clear and concise messaging comes in. I don't know if you have anything funny on thing that, is, that topic. Yeah. Well, it's just funny because I literally had an example today, too. And it doesn't even have to do with, like, exercises with clear and communication, like you were saying. It also has to do with, like, their program or just, like, their plan of care. I We had a patient who called in and was like, oh, I don't know why I'm scheduled. I feel better. I'm all good. And she's like, I'm ready to be discharged. Uh, Laura said I can be discharged. And so my PT was like, hey, I meant to ask you today. Like, she was texting me this. And she's like, I'm doing discharge for her. She goes, but did you guys talk about planning care and discharging and her being done? And I was like, not that I can recall. I know a couple of weeks ago, she was kind of like, oh, I'm at that four-week mark. You know, that's what we originally said. That's how we're we going to go to. And I was like, oh, okay, well, let's go ahead and book a, like, do you feel like you're ready to be done? And she's like, no, not really. And I was like, okay, well, let's book a couple more weeks out. I was like, if anything comes up, we can always just cancel those ones. Um, And so then, of course, the patient, as I was saying earlier, she took that as, you know, once she's ready to discharge, she's just done. And that, that was kind of then. And so, like, there's definitely going to always be some crosshair sometimes someone's going to take something like that but definitely do your best at being as clear as communicated and discussing it with it so that there isn't confusion like this wasn't that big of a deal 
because I knew exactly what type of conversation I was. I don't ever tell a patient that they're good to discharge unless I've heard it from the PT's mouth. <laughs> Just always being clear is the best way possible. And I feel like your story actually kind of already goes into the next one, which is regular updates. Mm-hmm. So just keeping your PTs and your just all the therapists really inside the loop of what's going on, especially if that patient works with multiple providers or multiple therapists. So let's say someone had a fall, just going to let the supervised therapist know. Let's say that they're about to have a surgery coming up or injections planned. These do go in our documentations just under the soap and all that. But at the same time, it's also good. It should go in there. But at the <laughs> same time, it should also be communicated to the PTs. Yeah. So this way, if they want to change anything or that they're just in the loop, they want to go talk to them. Because sometimes the PT wants to go talk to them about it or vice versa. The patient wants to talk to the PT. Yeah. But just making and sure like- everyone stays updated with everybody's plan, what's going on and where it's going. I know that's easier when you work side by side. Like, honestly, me and my PT communicated all the time. A patient walked in and said they had a fall. I go through the list to make sure I'm good if to get started or if I kind of like, mm, you hit your head, all that kind of stuff. All right, I might tell the PT and then they can decide to assess a little bit more. Um, personally, again, I, I feel like I did enough assessment to feel like we can start. Um, however, it always falls on them. So I'm going to communicate that with them and then see if they want more information. The other thing is PTs sign our daily notes. However, that does not mean in, they're in depth looking at them or they're memorizing exactly everything we put in there for that patient. And so you could say, hey, this person's getting injections on so-and-so day, but then you see them for a them like five more times in a row you know by the time the pt gets there they either aren't looking back to that far date um or you know they're completely kind of forgotten because again they're just signing it off it's not like they're really connecting the two together so like really having those personal conversations or sending them a uh, email or if you have a zoom of saying hey by the way so and so don't forget they're having injections on this day can always be very helpful and it's going to help with that co-treatment too because if they're pt who really likes to see them after those type of treatments or any type of treatment they're like hey i really want to make sure i see them after they get this gel injection or after this botox on their nerve like if they really want to see them which i know pts who are kind of like that they're like i want to see exactly after that then you guys can set it up appropriately on your schedule so that way you know, you're not crossing hairs, the patient's coming in with like an eval and then they're like, I don't even get to see them now. So communication on that end is very key. I agree. And the next one is, I guess the way they're saying it's so using multiple channels. (laughs) And I was kind of confused on this one. I think it's just one of those things where you just have to know that there's going to be different routes as to how that communication is going to come across. And I'm super guilty of it. Checking your emails. So some companies give you an email. Some don't. Whatever line of communication that's established with your place of work, just making sure that you stay on top of that. Sending out emails to the appropriate people. 
make sure you stay professional. Correct emails, yeah. Correct emails to the right. Yeah. That one's just more of a PSA yeah. to check your emails. I think that goes back to like what I was just saying about like sending Zooms, either talking in person. If you're really concerned about something, always send it in writing. This can go with patients too, is communicating with them verbally. And then there's some patients who do really well if they see it written. So sometimes printing on HEP or their exercises where they can visualize it and read it at the same time, that could be a better way to communicate than you just telling them. The next one. Yes, it's not a lot, but it's definitely a PSA to check your emails. (laughs) Speaking for myself, I I never do. I do. Uh, For me, I I need to be way better at it, but I'm not what. My emails, I would check. My new company, we use Zoom to like ping each other and they use it. And I would be so guilty at the first. I would always forget to open it, which I like it because it's like a quick chat. But like I would forget to open Zoom all the time up. So I would get a text message and be like, hey, can you open your Zoom? And I'm like, Frick. now I have it set up where I log into my computer and it automatically is up. It'll reset that. Yeah, so definitely keep track of your medians and which way you use to channel or to communicate. But mm-hmm. yeah, for, for me, it's like they're right right next to me. So I don't have a, a large company with so many different employees. Just go it's, knocking down their door. I just yell from my office to their office and just call it a day. All right. The next one is being respectful and inclusive. So I feel like for this one, for PT, it can get, I don't know why I'm thinking of it like this, but some patients come from a dark place. Mm-hmm. When you have pain involved, they sometimes take it out on us. Sometimes they're really yeah. moody and it's hard to not take personal. But at the same time, kind of what I feel like this is trying to make some point here is you still want to be respectful, make sure that the environment is welcoming to everybody and just communicate with them that it just takes time and whatever you have to say. Some people, it, it's not a one size fits all. We can't just be like, oh, someone's having a bad day or they're in a lot of pain. You can be like, oh, just use this verbiage and you'll get in the clear every time. Like everybody's different. This kind of goes back to our active listening portion where you just have to listen to what they say, respond, and just kind of go through it. Yeah. I think it also talks about like based off of how patients see themselves too and being respectful of how they wish they be referred to. Uh, Being aware of that. And I say if you ever come across a situation that they're asking you to refer a certain way, then definitely speak to your higher ups of the best way to go about certain things like that. The other thing is what I would say is culture wise, being aware. It's hardy because again, you're not you're not expected to know all cultures. I don't know. And so just being aware of and respecting some of the way some traditional cultures work. And so either not getting offended. Um, like I know in some cultures they do put men higher than women. And so they would always refer to the men if they were talking or even if they were like a tech and they would always go to the ask them the question even if I was standing right there and answering them 
you know, not taking it personally, but best communicating the way as possible. Does that make sense? Hopefully that makes sense. I agree. Sense. It does. Trying to put that in nice terms. No, I can possible. see it too. I'm in a yeah. similar situation now as far as like cultures and beliefs and all that. And mm-hmm. again, just like you said, just be respectful. Yeah. If you have any like unease or you're not sure how to approach it, that's when you go up higher and you just ask like, hey. It's not that you're complaining or anything. It's just go in and be like, this is the situation. How's the best way to go forward with this or something like that? What suggestions would you give? And honestly, you know, if you check with the higher end, if anything ever messes up, then you can always be like, I checked with them. So on to our next one, effective meetings. So I think the easiest way to put this one is, Something RPT used to do all the time. Not so much anymore. So now I just go seek these meetings. But I'm not talking about your average. This could have been an email meeting. I'm talking about a recap meeting of the evaluations the PT did. Mm-hmm. So the PT would kind of sit us down after lunch and just be like, all right, these are the evals that I did. This is what they have going on. Again, we can always refer to the notes, but they might give us a little bit more than they wrote in the notes because sometimes they just use templates and just kind of adjust things here and there. So anytime I'm going to see a patient I have never seen before, I kind of call this quick draw meeting. Hey, I need to load down real quick. I read your eval. I can kind of see what's going on, but is there anything else I need to know? Yeah. It's funny you said effective meetings and I literally was thinking about like my our monthly meeting and I don't know yeah, if I those are, talked about this. Could have been an email. Well, so I know I talked to Ken about this, but I'm trying to remember if I talked about it on the podcast before, but we literally just had a meeting a couple months ago on a tornado drill in Las Vegas. I've looked it up. In the last I saw, there was only three tornadoes that touched down in Clark County. And from what I could see, none of them actually touched down in Las Vegas. And so, but it's just like, okay, a tornado. Seriously, this is what we're spending our time on. Like, I'd rather go over more earthquakes. Again, not even that big out here, but we've had more of those than tornadoes. And then same thing with like. You know, unfortunately, I'd rather go over more active. I want to say that word because I don't know if our podcast would get flagged. But combative person, we'll just put it that way. Because unfortunately, I've known doctor's office out here that had that situation. Fire drill. Things like that, I feel like would be more effective than a tornado drill. So it did. It felt like it honestly became a running joke um, in our clinic because it just felt so untouched with actually like our region now the funny thing is we had a patient come in the other day and she's like well yeah they're even talking about a possible tornado warning and our pt's like huh 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 huh?" and we all just started dying laughing of course there wasn't but (laughs) we were all i were like well we definitely won't remember that but it was just effective meetings too so like don't Waste time of just going in and being like, oh, yeah, this patient's the same. I just wanted to let you know. I mean, I can also fall under regular updates as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, on to our next one that we tangent enough. Our next one is nonverbal communication. <laughs> and I feel like this is really big, even though it's nonverbal for us, because working. Okay, so having patients where they keep saying, like, even like the, when it comes to like pressure or range of motion, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And they're just wincing and groaning and eventually crying. And I'm like, are you good? Like, is it, is it too much? And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And they're just, you know, wiping the tears from their eyes. So it's definitely one of those things where you have to just kind of read their body language if yeah. they're not verbally communicating. So I feel like nonverbal communication is definitely something PTs need to be mindful of when working with patients. This also goes with your nonverbal communication. So if a patient comes in and, you know, you're doing a manual muscle test and you've watched them walk in and carry this, their kid, either mm. carrying their kid. That's what you meant by both ways. Yes, this is what I mean. It goes both ways. And then you go do manual muscle tests and they're just falling each time. You have to hold that, like, annoyance and disappointment or, you know, this is BS face internally. You got to put that smile on and be like, all right, pushy can see again. And you really got to try to hold back your facial expressions. Same thing that happens when they, you walk into smelling rooms. You need to hold back some of those emotions and not let them affect your facial expressions. And so it was really funny because I had a PT who, who wore a mask for a long time, a little bit longer than even everybody else. And then the moment they took it off, they're like, oh, man, now I got I can't hide my facial expressions anymore. She goes, it shows all of my face. And I was like, yes, it does. And she had to like retrain herself to not let everything kind of show through because it's not necessarily yeah. bad, but you know, it is noticeable and people pick up on it. Yeah. yeah. So, and so the last thing they again, want is nonverbal is definitely something to be, to be, be mindful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we both started talking over each other and then we both paused and then we almost talked over each other again. The I feel next like there's one, a slight delay. We have a couple left. The next one is seek feedback. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this one goes for feedback from patients, feedback from your PTs, from the PTAs, just to make sure, again, so everyone's on the same page, things you can improve yourself on. And a lot of it is just we want to be good at what we do. And sometimes we get in our own heads at times, but kind of seeking that the feedback, knowing like, okay, I'm doing good, or I can use a little bit of work on this just helps overall improve yourself as a PTA. Agree. I think too, is like asking for feedback. Definitely. If they don't understand, like I do it a lot on this podcast because as I explain something, I'm like, oh, does that make sense? And now that I think about it, it's probably because of my PTA back, you know, just working that I do ask that a lot because I do ask patients a lot. Does that make sense? Because sometimes they'll just act like they understand something, but then you can really tell that it doesn't, it didn't make sense to them because either they're doing something wrong or they're completely do opposite of what you just said not to do, or, you know, they're complaining about the same thing or so, 
something, you know, just doesn't add up. And so by asking for that feedback, like, does that make sense? Is that, do you understand that? Or do you need me explain a different way? Definitely is helpful because sometimes they're not always going to be like, I don't get it. So there's always nice ways. And we always have like different ways to explain, like, for example, nerve pain and tens. There's like 5,000 different ways. Okay, maybe not 5,000. But there's so many different ways you can explain what is actually happening there with metaphors. And so if one metaphor doesn't stick, there's usually maybe a different way that one would fit. And so asking for that feedback, does that make sense, is going to help a lot with how you can communicate with patients and be effective too. I agree. And that would really suck if you didn't. I mean, I can agree. I can disagree, but I agree. So I guess there's no point. The next one, there's two left. I'm going to switch the order a little bit, though. One is training and development. And the way that they're trying to come across for this one is seeking workshops, webinars, and maybe speakers who specialize in this kind of field just to mm-hmm. kind of help your communication skills. So kind of just like kind of outsourcing, like, okay, I want to be a better communicator look for those sources that can help you become a better communicator. Yeah, I think it's also like practicing. Like if you feel like, oh, I don't feel like I can effectively communicate this exercise or this reasoning um, very well, sometimes if you run it past someone and practice in front of them or go through your little routine, that can help improve it. I know with my husband, he was looking into like leadership with his work. And so one of the things they said is go to like, I think it's called like a soapbox meeting. And it's literally where it's practicing presenting a little bit more because that's where he, they felt like you could, you could improve a little bit. And so that way, you know, when he would hold meetings and that kind of stuff, it was more effective and people could understand it a little more clear But it's a lot of practice. It's just, well, not even a lot of practice. It's just practicing. So I think that's what that comes down to. And our very last one to wrap this episode is celebrating achievements. Yes. So a lot of this is just to recognize the PTA community, your fellow PTAs. I mean, PTs as well. And this just kind of helps support a positive environment. And just know that Everybody's on the same boat. Everybody's on this journey with you. And almost to the point of this podcast itself as well, as we're just trying to make each other better. Agreed. Like, for example, I recently just got technically like an excellent award or something like that. I don't even know. Outstanding award. I forget exactly the term, which doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that I got it is amazing. It was because of the fact that I hosted Shark Week. I love Shark Week. It was this past week and I did a whole decorating our office, got patients involved in guessing shark, how many sharks were in a bowl. I brought in like a shark blow up cornhole and balance patients. We worked with that and just kind of got them all engaged. And I did it honestly just to have fun. Nothing else. I love shark week. We were just going to have a blast with it. It was kind of like a why not? And my PT I worked with put it out there and managers get to see, you know, that she 
she's like Laura overexcelled and went beyond to make our patients feel included and active and make it a very fun environment. And she called it out. And again, I get nothing physically from it, but being called out and being recognized for that. And, you know, your managers up above get to see that people in the district get to see that just it feels so nice. So if you can shout out someone, shout them out, because honestly, even that little recognition of like, hey, they're putting in that extra work will make a huge difference. And same thing, like if you get those, it's not like a, hey, you know, like someone went out of their way to actually make it recognize. And so take those and put them close to your heart. And yeah, feel good because you deserve it. So at the end of this list, so our purpose for this episode was one, our previous episode on the number one skill, we kind of talked about how important communication is and how PTs look for it, how hiring employers look for it. And today we kind of just wanted to talk about different ways you can help improve that. And at the same time, it doesn't only help you potentially look for better jobs. It can also help you build better relationships with your Mm -hmm. patients. Because as you get better at these communication skills, these like the like you build legit relationships with your patients. Mm-hmm. Like you start learning more about them, like their day to day, their family, their trips, where they're from, and the patient just feels more at ease with you once you start breaking like these barriers and be more connected. I'm like, I know Laura's had a couple patients just wanting to talk to her from her strong relationships that she's built with these patients. Mm-hmm. And this, it really does go a long way. Yeah. It, it, it it's going to make them feel so much better, which in the long run is going to help their recovery too. If they feel like they can open up and trust you, communication goes a long way with that. And you're just going to improve their outcomes and their well-being, mentally and physically, hopefully. So just being there, listening, communicate, you're going to get better at it. You're going to learn things that you should and shouldn't stay. But it all comes with time and practicing. So just kind of keep at it. And if you feel a little discouraged, don't be. Everybody can improve on this. I still can improve on this. Sometimes I'm too talkative and communicating too much. (laughs) So you'll find it. You'll find what works best for you and your patients. Well, with all of that, we shall catch you guys on Friday. We hope you guys have a great week. And don't forget to follow our Instagram where we're the most active. We also have a couple videos out on YouTube. Join the Discord as well as check out the links in the description below if you want to kind of get a little bit more involved or if you're interested in travel PTA. And until then, we'll catch you guys on Friday. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.